<laughs> well, thank you, Zoom lady. Hello, yeah. hi, good morning, afternoon, evening. What is up? It's me. <laughs> it's been a while since I've done an introduction. Hi, I'm Dio. I'm going to give a presentation today. It's going to be really cool. I'm not going to say what it is in case you're just listening to it. We'll get into it. You probably we'll read the it. title. I didn't think this through. I think Jess has something to say. Hi. <laughs> yes, we are. We're back. It's hyperfixation presentation time again. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh uh, but yeah, uh, so yeah, we're here for another presentation. It's going to be good. So exciting. Uh, now I'm like, what the hell do I say? Um, everything's fine. Uh, I really brought the proper energy to it, I think. You you truly did. Um, I just have a quick little uh, plug. You know, we're plugging other podcasts at the beginnings of these. And uh, you guys, I feel like I have found our alternate universe twin in terms <laughs> of uh, podcast shows. Uh, because today's hyperfixation presentation is brought to you, but not literally brought to you by this. The thing is actually called the Supernatural Protection Company, and I'm like, oh, hello. What? Hang on. <laughs> they do crossovers, guys. We could have a crossover. <laughs> no way. No there's way. So many, there's so many jokes that can there's happen. So many levels that. here. Mm -hmm. But uh, I hope their main character wears an orange. Just in orange. orange. In orange. <laughs> just in orange. You in like orange the... suit. I just heard oh, orange. Man. I heard orange. Just palette swapped Carlton. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, uh, their synopsis here is set in a world where the paranormal is actually very mundane. The next logical step is to mm. just buy insurance coverage against such things, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Enter the SBC and their customer service center ready to help callers with all manner of issues across the insurance gambit. Gambit? Gambit? I don't know. Uh, so it, it like takes place in like a call center? The call center where, where uh, the paranormal is just mm. normal. <laughs> Bro. I need to subscribe to this yesterday. Are you kidding me? That's <laughs> awesome. It is pretty friggin' cool. Yeah. I'm no big, not just because yeah. we're sponsored or anything. Like, yeah. this is genuinely yeah, great. No, this, no, the creator was super chill. And yeah, they're like awesome. And I'm fully kind of, I'm like, can we do a crossover? Uh, but uh, but anyway, yeah. So it's, um, it's sci-fi and fantasy. It's got a mix of monsters and ghosts. And, you know, I'm like, oh, hey, seriously, alternate universe twin. Uh. And they also, they're very interesting, though, in that they do scripted and improvised episodes. So I'm like, ooh, ooh fancy. Um, but yeah, um, Supernatural Protection Company. Uh, they've got a Twitter at, at the SPC Podcast. Tumblr, also at the SPC Podcast. Uh, they've got a Mastodon at the SPC Podcast at podvibes.co. Man, maybe we should get on there. That might make me feel better, <laughs> considering uh, some of these other social medias these days um anyway they've also got a patreon at you know given website forward slash saf the something and ko-fi with the appropriate www.ko-fi also forward slash saf the something thank you and i am actually very pumped about this podcast and like i said crossover and that is that is our little plug for today and uh now uh dio presentation yeah, sorry, I was looking them up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. We're just gonna yeah. this is just gonna be our new obsession. Yes. Welcome. Okay. 
to Dio's super hyperfixation presentation. Yeah! About Juan Peace. Yes, yes, yes. I've been Juan waiting Peace. for this for months. Hit him. Some opening narration. <clears throat> Wealth, fame, power. One man acquired everything the world has to offer. The King of the Pirates, Gold Roger. The words he uttered just before his death drove countless people to the seas. My treasure! If you want it, you can have it. Find it! I left everything the world has to offer there. And so, med hen to the grand med men head to the grand line in pursuit of their dreams. The world has truly entered a great pirate era. These are the words that begin the story of One Piece. A story that promises adventure, freedom, and dreams on the high seas. Perfect execution. Nailed it. Absolutely. Nice Wallace, nice no mistakes. Men head to the Grand Line. That's a fun line. Yep. Yes. So, One Piece, am I right? One Piece. For those who don't know, because apparently some people haven't heard about it, One Piece is a manga series written by Eiichiro Oda. It's been running in the Shonen Jump magazine since July of 1997. Uh, it is the best-selling manga series in the history of the world, with over $500 million worth of sales of Tonkoban volumes, beating out the runner-up GoGo13 by a cool $200 million in sales. It follows the story of Monkey D. Luffy and his crew, the Straw Hat Pirates, as they explore the Grand Line to find the mythical treasure, the One Piece, so Luffy can become the next King of the Pirates. And that is the most simple definition we will get this entire presentation. Because, uh, big surprise, a linear told story that's been going on for 25 years, there's a lot to say about it. So and let's you have start. have a time limit. <laughs> Huh? I have a time. I was given a time limit for this presentation. Yeah. So we're going to see if I can do it. <laughs> so we're going to start very simply with just some basic geography lessons about the wide world of One Piece. So the world of One Piece is mostly covered on the surface by the Blue Sea. Very easy naming convention to follow. The Blue Sea is then divided into four quadrants between the Red Line and the Grand Line. The red line is one large chain of barren, almost impassable mountains that cover the world. And the Grand Line is a belt of ocean that runs perpendicular to the red line. This divides the Blue Sea nice into four blue seas. The North Blue, the East Blue, the South Blue, and the West Blue. Our story is going to begin in the East Blue. One other piece of crucial uh, world building that we're going to need to know uh, going into this is the Devil Fruits. This is kind of like the main cool, funny power system uh, throughout the beginning of One Piece. Uh, they are rare mythical fruits scattered throughout the world that grant the, the people who eat them superhuman abilities for the exchange that it removes their ability to swim. Uh, each person can only have one Devil Fruit ability, and there is only one of each Devil Fruit. Um, there is not a duplicate fruit out there or anything like that. Is there any <clears throat> specific reason why it removes the ability to swim or just because? Honest question. The old wives' tale is that the fruit was cursed by a devil of the sea. And so by eating it, the sea rejects you. And so you're just not able to swim in it anymore. Uh, that's what they say. 
we don't really know. The devil fruits are still kind of a mystery at this point in the story. Um, there's a lot of things that are still mysteries at this point in the story. It's very fun. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So when, sorry, when, when you can't swim, is it like you immediately sink or is it like it's, it, you're like hypo, hypo, uh, what do you call it? Like you, you repel water. You so, stand on it. Uh, you basically, your body just is like drained of energy and you just kind of like aren't able to fight the ocean and you like physically can't swim. And then Ooh. eventually you just kind of sink. Uh, That's you will drown. horrifying. Yeah. Devil fruit <laughs> yeah. users are uh, at a great risk of drowning, which is uh, not super great when your world is like 90% ocean. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Also pirates. So, but also you get some cool powers out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with steel, the devil fruits, right? there are three main types of devil fruits. You have your paramecia fruit. This is the most common type of fruit. It basically just gives your body one weird superpower that can be stretching your body, splitting your body up into pieces, getting bigger, getting stronger, creating a substance like there's a guy with a wax wax fruit. Uh, anything like that uh, is going to be a paramecia, often considered the weakest because it's just kind of a grab bag. Some of them are cool. Some of them are kind of lame. <laughs> hmm. What There's if also... my devil fruit yes. power is the ability to swim? <laughs> you have eaten nothing. Then. I think, I think, nothing. James, I think that was a grape. <laughs> I think you just ate a grape. <laughs> Could you imagine? I'm the legendary devil fruit user who can swim. And that, that's, a, that's, that's it. That's a... <laughs> <laughs> can you swim sucker can you swim the second <laughs> type of devil fruit <laughs> i forgot how many tangents we have i'm not meeting that fucking time limit dude oh <laughs> uh, we'll get through what we get through yeah anyway the second kind of fruit i didn't even have time to do a dry run of this the second kind of devil fruit is called a logia uh, this is a fruit that essentially allows your body to become an avatar of the elements. So instead of just shooting flames, your body is literally made of flames. Uh, these are often considered the strongest of the devil fruits because their bodies are essentially fluid. So they're immune to most regular attacks. Awesome. Uh, and the third type of uh, devil fruit is a zoan type fruit. Uh, this allows you to turn into a battle furry. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you just turn into an animal. Um, which, point of order, really actually kind of happy that James brought this up. We have not yet seen a single zoan fruit that is like an aquatic animal. No one has a zoan fruit that's like, I can turn into a fish and swim. That's, that's just not point. a Oh, that would be so cool to be Rip. like turn into a shark. That would be awesome. Yeah. Well, there's, <laughs> there's already people that are like half shark in one piece, so we don't really. Yeah. We'll Please. get to it. Oh, they don't boy. transform though, so we'll, we'll get, get to it. it. We'll Next it. slide. <laughs> next slide so now that we have the most bare essential world building yep. it's time to meet the straw hats uh this is a cute little color spread from chapter 100 of the manga so oh. we're just right now we're just going to meet the five straw hats that we meet in the first hundred chapters of one piece mm -hmm. first things first we have our main boy monkey d luffy he is the captain of the straw hat pirates he has dreamed of being a pirate ever since he was a child I just realized I don't have my thing, so I don't... I'm just clicking. Okay. He ate the gum gum fruit. I don't have a little preview thing that has my next pictures on it, so I'm just clicking. Uh, nice. He ate the gum gum fruit as a child. This gives him 
uh, the ability to stretch his body. It also makes him fun, uh, rubbery and bulletproof. So he's a big stretchy guy. Oda was very much like, I want to give my main character a power that's very funny. So he just gave him Mm -hmm. the stretchy power, which is cool. Mm -hmm. He received his iconic straw hat from Shanks, a pirate who stayed in his village for about a year and inspired him to become a pirate. Uh, Basically, there was a promise that Luffy was like, I'm going to find a pirate crew and I'm going to be way better than you, stupid Shanks, because you wouldn't (laughs) let me sail with you. And then Shanks (laughs) is like, yeah. Shanks uh, took off his little straw hat, put it on little Luffy's head and said, give me back that hat uh, when you surpass me then. And then he, he peaced out. And so Shanks is very much a presence in the story. Luffy very much strives to uh, surpass him and become the king of the pirates on his journey. Um, Luffy is a pretty standard shonen protagonist. He's fun. He's free. He's easygoing. He likes to eat food. Um, we'll get in a little bit more to a lot of his um, other qualities later, but he's very good at reading people. That's something we learn like right away. He's very mm. much like he recruits friends from like, not even from seeing their skills, but just seeing like, I think you're a good person. Do you want to be my friend? And then it's like, mm-hmm. you just met me. And he's like, yeah, but I think you're a good person. And then he's like, always correct about it. It's great. I love him. Um, it also goes for so, villains. You know, friendship <laughs> yeah, is the and real villains, power. He'll be like, he'll be like that, that guy, that guy's a dick. And then I'll like, punch him. <laughs> Speaking of that guy being a dick, usually he doesn't like to pick fights with people. He's not really an aggressive type. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people pick on him, he's just kind of like, whatever. Something he learned from Shanks. Yeah. Uh, but if if you mess with his friends, uh, he might switch from this face uh, to this face. And if oh, he does God. that, uh, run, run. Or you might end up like <laughs> this guy. Oh. So he will viciously defend his friends. And I love him for that. Uh, Luffy Yay. is really, really great. The kind yeah. of person that gets mad for others and not for himself. Also, just going to really quick say this real quick. If it wasn't uh, in case you're noticing, I'm probably going to be the hype man for this discussion. <laughs> Thank you, Tuan. Are you still like, ju- I... like just finishing up like the, the East Blue stuff? Uh, yeah, I'm still finishing up the East Blue stuff. OK, cool. I, I've I, watched two episodes. I dan- I'm dancing around spoilers in a lot of this. Uh, mm. I, it's hard to avoid some of them because it's a 25 year series. There's going to yeah. be spoilers, yeah. but I'm trying. I'm, I'm avoiding a lot of the bigger ones for people. So mm. anyway, so Luffy sets off to become the king of the pirates. And who does he meet first on his journey? Roanoa Zoro. My man. A name mm. that is really difficult to say with my American accent. Roanoa Zoro. Awuga. <laughs> yes, correct. Although uh, this, Zoro this... is the swordsman of the Straw Hat Pirates. He's the first person that Luffy meets on his journey. When we first meet him, he is a bounty hunter in the East Blue with the moniker Pirate Hunter. Uh, and this is where we meet him. Uh, tied up on a post by the Navy. Mm. Yep. <laughs> James <laughs> behave I'm just I'm just I'm this is my eyes emoji I'm looking at I him. saved I saved mm. his really thirsty images for later in this mm, I mean okay <laughs> I tried I tried to keep at least these first five just to, looking at their like pre time skip designs just because it's yeah. early in the series we'll get to the other ones you guys um, I'm gonna be laughing awkwardly so much during this you That's are great <laughs> <laughs> Knowing you, uh, yes. No. <laughs> so we meet Zoro tied up on a post, and he's like, oh, man. And uh, Luffy pretty much d- decides to recruit him to his crew without even seeing him swing a sword. He basically mm-hmm. sees Zoro be nice to a kid and says he's going to be the greatest mm-hmm. swordsman in the world. And Luffy's like, cool, uh, you're going to be the greatest swordsman. I'm going to be the pirate king. 
Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I'm going to need the strongest swordsman. What do you say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Zoro is so confused by this random stretchy boy just being like, friend? Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, uh, we get a little flashback into his story when we first meet him. We find out that he carries on his his and his childhood friend's dream and promise to become the world's greatest swordsman, uh, to become such a great swordsman that she will even hear of his name in heaven. Very, very cute. And for uh, Zoro's specific fighting style, he uses the Santoryu, the three-sword style. And while holding a sword in your mouth kind of looks goofy, um, mm. boy, he sure does make it look cool, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. yeah. Blocks out all of these <laughs> marine swords, and he pretty much is like, yeah, you pirate kid, uh, I'll mm. come with you. I'll be your pirate. But don't get in the way of me being the greatest swordsman. You got that? And then mm. Luffy's like, okay. And despite his uh, stone-faced uh, demeanor, Zoro's kind of a goofy idiot, and I love him. Here's mm-hmm. one of my favorite. Uh, there's a long-running joke about him getting lost all the time. So this is a really <laughs> funny bit where he says, I got the map memorized. Bit. It says to go right, and then he goes left. <laughs> like, there's so many layers to that joke of, like, that's not how maps work, Zoro. You just went left, Zoro. How are you so confidently wrong, Zoro? I love him so much. Because I, I totally tell- thought... I totally thought he was going to be like the stone-faced serious swords guy and he's a fucking idiot and I love him. <laughs> I can already tell this is my favorite character. I don't need to yeah. see any of the other ones. You are going to I think there's one other character that might come close to surpassing Zoro okay. for you specifically, but Zoro is very popular. I am always yeah. a big fan of Himbo with a twist. Oh, yeah, yes. that's what I'm getting at. that that's what I'm getting from this, yeah. <laughs> and uh one of Zoro's biggest uh, changes as a character throughout the early series is he becomes very loyal to Luffy very quickly. He Mm. has a very strong ambition. You know, he wants to become Mm. the greatest swordsman in the world, but he sees Luffy and he recognizes that Luffy is someone stronger than him. Someone with an ambition Mm. equal to his. And eventually it gets to a point where Zoro fully commits to like, no, I want to be stronger, not just for myself anymore. And when he loses a very suffering defeat, this is the only time we see modern day Zoro cry mm. is swearing that he'll never mm. lose again. Oh because if he God. doesn't become a great swordsman, that'd be a problem for Luffy, his like first friend, his oh. own age since his friend passed. Uh, ambition and loyalty are Zoro's strongest mm. qualities, and it makes him such a deadly force on the on the straw hats he is mm. he is a ride or die day one and i love him for it uh yep. an incredible character zoro yep that's so, hot we have now officially become <laughs> <laughs> we've now officially become wow. a pirate crew but the issue is we have luffy who's dumb and zoro who's also dumb yes i think we need a smart person on this crew enter Nami. Nami is the navigator of the Straw Hat Pirates. And I'm going to take a quick... It's the pogo (laughs) stick lady herself. I'm going to take a quick moment to talk about how much of a stereotype smasher Nami is as a character. I totally thought, looking at her design and knowing that she's like the first main lady character introduced in a shonen series. Yeah, I totally thought she was going to be the girl one. And it's like, (laughs) oh, she's going to fall in love with Luffy, who gives a shit she's gonna be boring in the mm-hmm. first hundred chapters of one piece she is literally my favorite character mm-hmm. like in like 
She's uh, intelligent. She has an incredible backstory. She goes through amazing changes as she goes. She has like uh, such a fun personality that totally goes against the idea of what a typical like girl character would be in this. Uh, and also, uh, she never falls in love with Luffy. In fact, she doesn't really have any romantic interests at all, except maybe potentially one that's gay. And I like that one. <laughs> Good for her. Good yeah. For her. Uh. Yeah, like there, romance is not a huge thing in One Piece, and I'm totally cool with that. It's, oh, good. It's, yeah, it's kind of its own thing. I'm a big romance guy, and I'm cool that One Piece doesn't do a ton of romance. And it when seems romance like, does happen, it happens. It seems like platonic love is going to be big here. Platonic love is huge. The Straw Hats yeah. are very much a, a family, and that's how they act all the time. It's great. Oh yeah. So Nami, great stereotype smasher. It's all of about family. When we first meet her, she is a pirate-hating thief. Uh, she absolutely has... She hates pirates. She steals from pirates constantly. She, like, tells Luffy, like, you're a pirate. I don't like you. You suck. You're stupid. I don't like you. <laughs> and then she very quickly learns that uh, Luffy and Zoro are so un-pirate-like, according to her own experience. Like, <laughs> Luffy's greatest treasure isn't gold or money. It's his silly little straw hat. And she sees how viciously he defends this thing, how he viciously protects someone else's treasure that she meets. And she's like, okay, I guess I'll travel with you guys for a bit. You said you needed a navigator. Okay. And her character arc is kind of, kind of a, a long, uh, a slow burn. Her full character arc comes in after we get, we meet the next two characters, but I'm going to talk about all of it right now. Uh, we learn as we go along that, uh, she dreams of making a map of the world. That's been her dream since she was a little kid. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, when she was a little kid, a pirate group raided her village uh, and mm. killed her mother. Oh. And she was forced uh, to work for them from childhood. And she had this burden for 10 years. This She was an eight-year-old child when this happened. So for 10 years, she fought on her own. She went out and just tried to steal from pirates all she could to essentially buy back her village from these pirates, all while drawing them sea charts and mapping stuff out for them, forced to work for the group that literally killed her family. Um, and she existed in a world without trust, without friendship. She didn't think that anything like that was for her because she was like, I have to fight on my own. I have to press on. This is this is the life that I have. I'm doing this to protect my village. And, you know, we get to that point in the story. Stuff is happening. She basically betrays the Straw Hats and, like, leaves them uh, to go back to her village to try and settle up with the pirates. And the pirates totally betray her. All of her money gets taken, and she can't save her village. And um, in this uh, lowest point of hers, at the point where it seems totally hopeless she sees that Luffy is there and she asks for help. Oh my God. She accepts that she is worthy of friends and that she can ask for help from the people that love her. And so Luffy, Zoro, and then the two other guys we're going to meet, they gear up, they go and kick those pirates butts. And then they're just like, Hey, Nami, you're our friend. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> this is also a really cute moment because after Nami asks Luffy for help, he takes off his straw hat, 
the thing that is his most sacred treasure. And he plops it on Nami's head. Mm. Showing that Luffy as a character has also grown to see his crew as his greatest treasure. So much so that he trusts them with his hat. And it's Nami, the character that just spent the entire arc betraying him and berating him and telling him to get lost. And he trusts her with his treasure. And it's just, it's so good. And her character then becomes growing and learning to, to love her friends, to defend her friends, to actually sacrifice and fight for other people to the point where, you know, maybe she loves her friends even more than money. Maybe close second ish. Very close. (laughs) She really likes money. She's uh, such a trickster. She pickpockets a lot. It's really cute. I really love Nami. She's great. (laughs) Anyway. Now to rewind the clock a little bit to our next member, Usopp. He's the <laughs> sniper of the Straw Hats. Uh, first impression that you get of Usopp, uh, he's a liar and he's a coward. <laughs> it's mm. right in his name. Uso is the Japanese word for lie. And Usopp sounds like Aesop, Aesop's fables. The dude's a liar. He looks like Pinocchio. That's <laughs> Yeah. That's just like a thing. It's very obvious. It's plain as the nose on his face. Yeah, this is very, yeah. I I do remember. It's like one of the few characters who I like recognized from like when I was a kid and One Piece would occasionally like come on the TV, even if I wasn't watching it. It's like, yep, it's this guy. Usopp is very Mm -hmm. memorable. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we learn uh, about Usopp is it's not so much a liar as he is a, a storyteller. One of the things he does with his lies is he goes and he tells a village girl, Kaya, who's sick and can't leave her house. He tells her all of these grand stories from his adventures that he totally had all of these amazing things. And like, she knows that they're fake, but she just likes listening to his stories. And I think that's really cute. Uh, Straight up. Like this is actually one of the few like romantic ships uh, with the main cast that Mm -hmm. like might actually happen. It's very cute. And I fully support it. It's awesome. Um, Anywho. The other big lie that we see Usopp kind of do when he gets introduced is every morning he runs throughout his village and says, pirates are coming, pirates are coming. And like, they all know he's lying. They're like, Usopp, we know you freaking kidder. Oh, you dang gosh, golly goo. And so this cry of the boy who cries pirates, right? It's um, it's very interesting because then pirates show up <laughs> because of course they do. Because right when course. the straw hats show up, some other pirates are showing up and they're going to attack the village. And if this was a, a regular fairy tale, Usopp would like die. And then so yeah. would the rest yeah. of the village. <laughs> yeah. But because this is a, a good story. <laughs> but take that, Brothers <gasps> Grimm. Don't let Maria hear you say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but because this is one piece and characters learn and, and grow a bit. Usopp is very determined. He's He says, okay, the village isn't believing me uh, that I'm saying pirates are coming. They got super mad that I pushed a little bit harder than usual today. So I'm going to do what I can to make sure that this is a lie. He decides, okay, they they think I'm a liar. I'm going to make sure that I'm a liar. I'm going to fight these pirates. And the Straw Hats are like, yeah, we like this guy. And point of order, this is really... so. People like to talk smack on Usopp a whole lot because of how much a, how much of a coward he is. 
uh, give me their Luffy, names. Give me their names and their locations. Luffy goes out of his way to says people to say that people are cowards and that he doesn't like them because they're cowards. He does it with several characters that, and that's supposed to like initiate their growth into becoming less cowardly to become like someone who stands up for themselves. Who's a little bit more like, uh, uh, they, what's the word I'm thinking of? They advocate. That's the word advocate Uh. for themselves. Uh, and he never says that to Usopp literally not once this entire time. Usopp is like trying his best to fight back his cowardly nature and become a brave warrior of the sea. Like his dad, his dad is a pirate, by the way. Uh, We haven't seen him and his dad have a conversation yet. His dad's a pirate. So Usopp is already like putting in the work to try and become less frightened. And Luffy respects the heck out of that. And I like it too. I don't like people talk smack on Usopp and I don't much care for it. Uh, oh, I forgot I, I added this picture because I realized I didn't have a picture of him with his slingshot. He uses a <laughs> slingshot. He's a sniper, but he doesn't use a gun. He has a slingshot, and he's, like, insanely good with the slingshot. Yeah, it's, it's really infinitely cool. more impressive. Yes. It's yeah. so much more impressive. Like, his whole thing is using weird little gadgets and tools and bluffs in order to win a fight. Uh, that's a hammer that says five tons on it. It's not five tons. It's paper mache and two frying pans. <laughs> <laughs> but that bluff, oh man, when it works, it freaking works. And one of the central things that kind of builds into Usopp's character is um, a lack of self-worth. Usopp Ouch, sees relatable. himself. Yeah, he sees himself as weak. He sees himself as the weakest member of the crew. And he's like, I'm surrounded by these monsters that can swing their swing their arms and punch someone 25 feet away and someone who holds a dang sword in his teeth and like cuts people up with them and a guy who cooks he kicks things really good like I'm so weak and I I can't do anything about it I keep seeing people stronger than me and it's very interesting to see him grow and work through this and build through that and and become become a little bit cooler we're not gonna get too much i could talk about usopp for so usopp is a very relatable character he's the most relatable up to like the normal person because he's like he has normal person strength you know he's yeah. like just a guy he's just like a dude yeah uh and despite him just being a guy and just being a dude and him being so scared all the time he will always he takes a stand for his friends this is a moment when he is beaten he is battered he is broken and he he's not having it because these villains are making fun of Luffy. They're saying that idiot's not going to become the king of the pirates. And he's like, listen, you can beat me up. You can break my face. You can beat me to death, but you're not going to talk smack on my best buddy, Luffy. And I love him for that. Usopp always like he stands up for his friends. He fights through his cowardice and he becomes a better person because of it. He's always actively working on himself. And I love it. At the end of the day, though, he's still very goofy. Yeah, <laughs> he's the source of so much comedy. Like I, I feel bad because I, I don't know how to present comedy, so I, I don't know how to like talk about the comedy in One Piece without just showing a bunch of clips. One Piece is so funny, and I'm so sorry we don't have time to talk about it. I spent so much time on Usopp. I'm sorry. 
I promise that I won't spend a ton of time on this next character because I have a crush on him. This is Sanji. Uh, well, that's the lollipop guy. It's the lo- oh, yeah. In four kids, they made his cigarette a lollipop. Nice. Uh, uh, we may markedly have to... less cool than his cigarette. We may have to break before you go into what I'm assuming will be way longer than you say about Sanji. I. Listen, I specifically cut out the stuff we learn about him later down the line. So it's just, how much time do we have left? I don't see it. We have one one minute and 20 seconds. Oh, shit. I don't see the timer. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be right back with Sanji. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Zoom lady. Thank you, Zoom yeah, Lady. Also, also, Luffy is a good uh, type of himbo where he does have a specialty in which he is intelligent. It's just a very niche area. Yeah, he's, oh. he's insanely good at at reading people. He's just also a big dummy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I love him. He's also like an asexual icon. Um, I didn't put it in here. Yeah. Uh, people that say that Luffy isn't asexual are coping so hard. Because, <laughs> because I because want to Luffy. Because they because they want Luffy to, I don't know, fall in love with a 30-year-old lady that fell in love with him. Like Ew. Oh, he is kind of like gone. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're... <laughs> like, okay. We'll we'll get back to we'll get back uh. to my man crush Sanji in a second, but real quick. <laughs> there's real literally quick. a scene. The most beautiful woman in the world has an ability that if you feel any sort of attraction to her in the slightest, she has the ability to turn you to stone with her devil fruit. And her ability, she is naked. Luffy sees her fully naked body, and her ability doesn't work on him. And people are like, Luffy's not asexual. (laughs) He's just pure of heart. And it's like, listen, first of all, shut up with your ace erasure. Second off, if you're ace out there, you just got a cool new thing to call yourself. You're just pure of heart, baby. You're just pure of heart, baby. <laughs> sure. Some That's One Piece fans cope the so ace. hard. One Piece is such a good story. Anyway, Sanji. Sanji is the Ooh, fifth that. member of the Straw Hat Pirates we meet. He's the cook of the Straw Hats. When we first meet him, he is, a, he is the sous chef on the floating restaurant Baratier. Uh, His introduction basically kind of goes like this. He brings food to a table with a Navy officer and his date. Uh, He flirts with his date. The Navy officer wastes his food by like kind of throwing it on the ground. Sanji kicks the ever loving crap out of this Navy official. The Navy guy leaves a starving pirate humbles in hobbles in is like, I need food or I'm going to die. And everyone else is like, get out, then die, pirate, get out of here. And they kick him out. <laughs> and then Sanji comes out and just gives the starving pirate a plate full of food. Aww. So we see a really interesting thing where clearly his morality has nothing to do with Navy versus pirate, good versus bad. He's like, that guy wasted food and he's a dick. Fuck him. This dude <laughs> is starving. My heart goes out to him. We see right away he hates wasting food. He loves feeding people. And also he really loves women. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very poor trait of Sanji's character. Some people dog on him really hard for it. Um, It's whatever. At worst, they're just like jokes that are sometimes unfunny. It's whatever. Mm. <laughs> uh, Sanji is a man of very strong principles. Uh, we learn that he fights only through kicking. 
uh, because as a cook, his hands are sacred, so he will never use them in combat. They are specifically for making people food and providing for them. So he will only beat people with his feet. Uh, he also has a strong principle of not fighting women. He was raised uh, by his adopted father to not hit women, so he doesn't hit women, even if it means he will die. He is very, very committed to his principles. Uh, as we see Sanji's backstory kind of unfold in his character arc, we see that his okay. heart goes out. I, I don't. I'm not. I don't have the chat pulled up. Hold on. No, it's sorry. No, because just okay. Uh, James and I had the exact same thought. <laughs> The question is, um, is he better or worse than Brock Pokemon? I think his jokes, I, because his jokes are allowed to be big and over the top and stupid, I think his jokes are funnier. As a character, like, he's way better than, like, he's a One Piece yeah. character. Well, yeah, as a, yeah. I, 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 mean, I mean more of the, like, uh, the Awuga the woman. I'm sorry, are Honestly, you saying that Brock... Him and- the gym and Brock leader are actually whose not... name rhymes with rock is not a in-depth character. <laughs> now that I think about it, Sanji and, Sanji and Brock aren't actually that dissimilar. Like, they're both very, like, they're just kind of like, they adore the shit out of women. They're just like, women are beautiful, majestic creatures, and I am I was born to admire them kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. He's, like, Sanji literally says, Poor like, I was all. born to admire women. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> I mean, and, like Sanji, like doesn't even do the kind of like other stuff that most pervy characters do in anime because he yeah. doesn't break a crime. He doesn't like commit yeah. a crime for his yeah. bit. Good. That's Good. not his. The we running joke is him loving women and not committing a crime. So Good. yes. Wow. Good job. A plus. Yes. A plus for Sanji. A plus. Self awareness. A plus. Odo was yeah. like, "This is why you do it, ladies and gentlemen." And no one was taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, so as Sanji's backstory kind of unfolds, we realize that his compassion towards people that are hungry comes from a very real place. Uh, as a young boy, he was stranded uh, on a remote island uh, for eighty oh days God. with very limited food. Uh, he was oh, saved by so the man. Sad. Yeah, he was saved mm-hmm. by the man who would become his adopted father, the the cooking pirate Zeph. Uh, and Zeph gave Sanji all of the food on this remote island. 80 days, this man had no food and sacrificed his leg to keep Sanji alive. Uh, in the manga, he eats his own leg. In the anime, they censor it uh, because that was a, a little too extreme even for Japan. They were like, uh, he saved Sanji from drowning and cut it off with an anchor chain. Uh, and he actually he ate his leg in order mm-hmm. to stay alive for 80 days and to give this small little boy all of the food that they had uh, for 80 days mm-hmm. on this island that they couldn't even fish from because it was, like, high up above the water. Oh and God. this act of kindness uh, shook little Sanji to his core. He, mm-hmm. he couldn't understand why someone would be so nice and so self-sacrificing for him. And Zeph says it's because that they shared the same dream of finding the all-blue a mythical ocean that is said to contain fish from the four different blues in one spot. It is a cook. It, it is a chef's dream, but people don't even know if it's real or not. And we see that Sanji on some level has kind of tried to bury this dream because Zeph without his leg gave up his pirate career and made this floating restaurant, the Baratier to make sure that people are fed even on the ocean. 
And when he sees Zoro pushing so hard in this desperate fight to try and achieve his dream, Sanji is so frustrated that he yells out, it should be easy to give up on your ambition, right? Who do you think Sanji's talking to in this moment? <laughs> and through these Ouch. fights, these desperate struggles with Zoro uh, facing off against a swordsman and Luffy facing off against an another pirate captain, it reignites this ambition in him, this desire to chase his dream that is equally as crazy as these two other dudes. He saw a guy say, I'm going to become the greatest swordsman in the world, and a guy who said, I'm going to become the king of the pirates, both of which are like younger than him. Zoro is 18, Luffy is 17, Sanji is 19. He sees kids his age saying, we're going to do these insanely cool things. And Sanji's like, I kind of want to too. And after the fight, he asks Luffy, do you know about the all blue? And this smile <laughs> is... Every, like bro it's such yeah. a heartwarming smile to see like he he wears this like punk 19 year old chain smoking exterior but then you see him smile like this and you're just like yeah like like straight up this is when i was like damn it i'm gonna i'm gonna have a crush on sanji yeah. <laughs> you know and yeah i do i'm i'm mm. i'm gonna uh so sanji has a second backstory and we learn about it 19 years later into the story. Uh, he has a very, very long, still ongoing character arc. And we learn a lot more about his traumas. Dude fucking goes through the ringer in the arc that's about him. And knowing all of the stuff that happened prior to his first backstory that we learn and seeing <laughs> that he's still able to smile like this, like it holds a very, a very warm place in my heart i absolutely love sanji um so with his dream reignited he agrees to sail out with luffy in search of his dream believing that the grand line might just be the place to find the all blue so he thanks his adopted father zeph for all the damn things he did for him and now with a crew of five assembled we are off to the grand line yeah. So that what we just reviewed was uh, two years of manga publication. <gasps> yep. What? Yeah. A hundred chapters before we get to the Grand Line, which is where the rest of the story takes place. So now we're going to talk a little bit about what the Grand Line is, because I keep saying it. <laughs> I just see. a little bit. about That's what made of cake. Yeah, I saw cake. I also yep. saw cake. Yep. These are all places on the Grand Line. <laughs> nice. Don't ask questions. <laughs> so, the important thing to know about the Grand Line. The Grand Line is surrounded on either sides by things that are called the Calm Belts. These are stretches of ocean that are uh, completely dead. There's no current, there's no uh, wind, nothing. A normal ship can't move at all. And that's not even what makes them impenetrable. What really does it is that it's the breeding ground for the Sea Kings. Oh, uh, The biggest oh. sea monsters in the sea world. Sea Kings, Sea Kings. CK. CK, CK. So the calm belts are full of sea monsters and you can't move your ship without paddling. So there's really only one way into the Grand Line and that is Reverse Mountain. Reverse uh, this is a mountain, mountain on the Red Line where the Grand Line and the Red Line meet that has four canals that go up the mountain from each of the blues. 
a current uh-huh. that goes up a mountain. They all meet at the top. And then there's a fifth canal that goes down the mountain into the entrance of the Grand Line. And that is the one way that you get into the Grand Line if you're a normal person. <laughs> that seems very not logical. I like that. <laughs> Welcome to One Piece. <laughs> Things get weird anyway. when you get closer to the equator. The one entrance into the world's weirdest sea. One thing that's immediately apparent about how weird this sea is, is compasses don't work. Uh, The reason is a lot of the islands in the Grand Line have a higher concentration of of magnetic metals in them. So compasses can't really find a place to point. Mm. So instead, there's the log pose. This is a programmable compass that instead of pointing towards one direction, it essentially locks on the magnetic signature from one island to the next. And it points towards that next island on that. This kind of locks you into a specific path down the Grand Line. And there's a lot of different ones you can take, but it just kind of locks you in. It's kind of like a like a video game selection screen. It's really cool. Uh, just kind of locks you into those. It Additionally, looks like, it looks like a subway oh, map. No, I was saying, it looks it like does, a subway it is map. It a subway map. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next stop on the Grand Line. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no. <laughs> Incredible. Um, anyway, uh, also the seas on the Grand Line are very turbulent. Uh, there's really no specific atmosphere or season going on. If you're on the open water, it can be sunny one moment, typhoon the next, blizzard the next. Any freaking thing can happen when you're on the Grand Line until you get close enough to an island and then you're kind of locked in their specific biome because of each, each of these islands are kind of their own self contained. Uh, atmosphere, their own self-contained biome, if you will. Uh, And because of that, there are kind of four different categories of islands. Uh, There's summer island, spring island, uh, fall island, and winter islands. And each of those islands have their own four seasons on them, giving you 16 16 seasons seasons. on the Grand Line that you could possibly encounter. Uh, Fun fact, Oda has his characters so thoroughly thought out, each one of the Straw Hats has a very specific favorite island and season. So I I honestly don't remember any of them, but like some of them are like they like spring on a winter island. They like autumn on a spring island, like so things like, like that, that it's like very, very specific. So is like winter on a winter island, like is that like a super winter? It's a it's a mega winter. Absolutely. Yeesh. <laughs> no, no, thank Think you. Think about the summer on a summer island. Oh no, that's worse. It's just Phoenix, baby. <laughs> it's, it's it's essentially it's actually just soup in the air. Uh, anyway, the Grand Line becomes kind of just the setting for the rest of the series, and it's where we see the crazy world building that this story really has. We're talking winter islands covered in snow, summer islands that are deserts as far as the eye can see, giants that tower over our friends, dwarfs that fit in the palm of your hand, long leg tribes, long arm tribes, snake neck tribes, a train that runs across the surface of the ocean, the overgrown ruins of a city atop an island of clouds, an underwater island where mermaids and fish people swim about, an island on the back of a giant elephant. Yes. Squirreled. <laughs> I I put that in for you, Jess. I was like, that's kind of a that's like a decent-ish spoiler, but it's a Discworld thing. So I Discworld. gotta put it in there. Discworld. <laughs> so now 
that we uh, understand the basics of the grand line, it's time to meet the Straw Hats. Again. Part two. <laughs> oh, God, there's more. Oh, there's God. more. I love this. So So this is the this color spread from chapter 100. This mm -hmm. is the color spread from chapter 1000. Oh, it's really uh... cute. Like, look at the little glow ups that everybody gets. Yeah. And we have five new crew members to introduce. Yep. <laughs> These are the crew members that we meet on the grand line. Uh, now that we have the full 10 crew here, I will say... Each one of these idiots has made me cry multiple times. Every single one of them. The little <laughs> reindeer boy, the skeleton with the afro, the cyborg, all of them. <laughs> so we're going to get to that. This is a real show. This is a real yes. show. This is, the, this is where the real One Piece begins. You can see these people. The first new crew member we meet upon entering the Grand Line is Tony Tony Chopper. Yay! He is the I've doctor of the Straw Hats. Everyone has seen Chopper, the Chop Man. We love him. He's a little blue-nosed reindeer boy. Uh, a lot of people don't much care for him becoming kind of a mascot character. Uh, this is him, like, initially in, like, 99, where he's, like, just a little chubby reindeer boy. And now he's become, like, you know, big-headed, slim, slimmer oh, body. He's Pikachu'd he, him. He's, they, he's become <laughs> Pikachu'd. But yes. I will say... Uh, Oda has a reason for this and it's not because of like corporate intervention like the studios weren't telling him to make him cuter or anything like that literally what happened was the anime started airing and Oda thought that the voice actress playing Chopper was giving such a cute performance that he was like well I gotta make Chopper cuter now cuter so now. she can <laughs> give the best performance and like Oda hates drawing mascot characters but he was like you know the voice actress is doing such a good job. I'm going to make Chopper cute because her performance, like he Aww. collaborates with the anime. He, mm -hmm. he made several characters in the manga specifically because he wanted specific actors to play them in the anime. Like, <laughs> nice. Oda's a G. I love him. He made him uh, cuter because, and the voice actress that played Chopper was also the voice actress who's been playing Pikachu. So it's very cute. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's like, very cute. Wow, it's it is so refreshing to see a a creator actually care about voice actors and their craft. We love that, dude. Like, Oda, Oda's awesome. I love him so much. Mm -hmm. If if I if I had time, I'd have a twenty minute section just talking about how awesome Ichiro Oda is. But I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, you don't. Let's keep going. <laughs> anywho, when we first meet Chopper, he has a very strong distaste of uh, distrust of humans. Uh, he he keeps his distance from them. When they give him a compliment, he reacts like this, uh, where he's just like, I'm not happy. What are you talking about? You, your compliments don't make me happy. You suck! And he just kind of yells at them. It's really cute. Relatable. Um, very relatable. We love Chopper. Um, as we learn a bit more about his backstory, we learn that it is also very sad for a little reindeer boy. We learned from a very young age he was always isolated from his herd of reindeer because he had a little blue nose and they didn't like him. Oh, they Rudolph. Rudolph. They, they inverse Rudolph. And sadly, <laughs> unlike Rudolph, his deformity wasn't useful, so he never made amends <laughs> with his herd. Yep. Because um, one day he ate the human human fruit and became a little reindeer boy. Mm. And uh his herd didn't like that. Oh no. His herd saw him as not a reindeer anymore, so they kicked him out. Uh mm. he no longer had a place to belong with the reindeer. And for a young creature 
that just suddenly grew a human consciousness and suddenly had all of these new things in their brain trying to figure out chopper makes his way to a human village and says maybe i'll I'll find a place with the humans oh no but the humans don't like him they see him as a a blue-nosed yeti monster so they they yell at him and they chase him and they shoot at him and his first emotions as a human were fear and rejection and he never felt like he had a place to belong until he was taken in and raised by a quack doctor and learned to become a doctor himself trying to find the belief that any disease can be cured, even the disease of the heart that makes people intolerant and upset. And that would make people privatize a healthcare system. That's what his villain villain literally privatizes a healthcare system. Uh, It's yeah. Yep. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I don't have strong feelings. It's fine. Yeah. Um. I I was like, yeah, Chopper. He's the cute mascot character. He'll be cutesy. Maybe he'll get on my nerves from time to time. Uh, I love him. He's adorable. He's never gotten on my nerves, and his backstory made me cry so hard I got a headache. <laughs> so oh I love Chopper so much. He's he affirms that he's going to become a doctor. He's going to become the all miracle cure. He's going to be able to do it. And this brings him to where he meets up with Luffy and the crew. Um, they end up fighting, you know, the bad guys, they're coming back around and they, they fight the bad guys. We learned that chopper can transform a bunch. I, I really had to shoehorn this in because it didn't come up naturally when I was planning it out. But then I realized I had pictures of choppers, other forms, and they made no sense out of context. (laughs) Unlike other Zoan fruit users that can only transform into, they have their regular form, the animal form and the hybrid form. He's been able to learn a bunch of other forms um mm. outside of that that use that are all like specialized for different things it's really cool uh nice. anyway during this fight against the bad guys he uh he also sees luffy stretch and punch and at this point you know chopper has basically already like confronted uh sanji and luffy and just been like it's very obvious he doesn't like being called a monster like the word monster is still mm. like very it, it ooh it hurts him but for Luffy's crew, the word monster is like the highest of compliments. Uh, Literally, Zoro, Sanji, and Luffy, the like three strongest members of the crew, are called the monster trio because they have monstrous levels of strength and ability. Yeah. Um, And so when he sees Luffy take this big old rubber punch at the bad guy, he asks Sanji, what is that? And Sanji looks back and is like, he's basically a monster. And he gives him this big old smile and this is kind of the the paradigm shift for for Chopper of like they said monster with a smile. Is it good to not fit in? Am I okay to not fit in? And there's like just these beautiful moments of of Luffy defending Chopper completely and asking Chopper, I really want you to join my crew. Luffy didn't even know this dude was a doctor. He literally just thought he was a transforming talking reindeer. And that was all he needed. He was a trans he was a transforming I mean, yeah. reindeer with a heart of gold. And Luffy was like, I want that on my crew. Didn't even know he was a doctor. <laughs> That's how good. That's just a bonus. We love him. And Chopper, you know, he's trying to rationalize this. He's like, listen. I'm a reindeer. Like I'm not a human. They're gonna think that I'm weird and that I'm I'm scary and that I'm a monster out there. 
I'm, I want to see the world, but I don't know if I can do it. And he, he tries to rationalize this. And Luffy just says, shut up. Come with me. He just says, shut up and let's go. And that's exactly <laughs> what Chopper needed to hear. The Aww. kind of affirmation that it, you're fine. You are who you are. Come with us anyway. And he sets out carrying the will of his parent to see the world with his own eyes because there's, I skipped over it a bit in his backstory. His parent talked about how the world is so much bigger than this island full of small-minded people that see him as a monster, and there's so much to see out there. So now he'll be able to see it with the rest of the Straw Hats. It's really cute. It's This show is so much deeper than anticipated. Yes. <laughs> We're just getting into it. It really <laughs> is. It really is. Um, anyway, more some than stuff... one piece. <laughs> True. <laughs> There's so many pieces. <laughs> There's at least two. <laughs> it's like that. It's, it. it's like they made so, the joke of the the real treasure is the friends we made along the way, but they started there, and now we're just getting everything else. <laughs> True. Oh people literally, people have asked Oda, like, "Is this what the one piece is? The one piece going to be the real friends we made along the way?" Because I'm going to be, and he's like, "Nope, that's a dumb thing. We're not doing that." Yes, good. <laughs> he's full out. He's full out said, "No, the one piece is going to be an actual thing that will actually affect the world." It just Ooh, so happens yeah. that these are also a very good group of friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, the real treasure was friendship. No. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, yeah. Chopper joins the crew. Some stuff happens. And then we meet our next member of the crew, Nico Robin. She is yes. the archaeologist of the Straw Hats. When we first meet her, she's actually an antagonist working for the evil Baroque groups. Uh, mm. She ate the flower flower fruit. Uh, this ability allows her to essentially bud her limbs and body parts wherever she wants. So she makes mm. a lot of multiple hands and smacks people around. Um, cool. Fun fact, if Oda is asked if a Devil Fruits user ability works on their junk, the answer is always yes. Luffy's ability mm. works on his junk. <clears throat> Buggy the Clown's ability works on his junk. Oh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Nico Robin's ability works on her junk. It's... Oda has, he's like, yep. He just kind of says it. (laughs) Flower, flower is right. Flower. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. Sorry. No, you're so. (laughs) Now we're moving Uh, on. (laughs) Yeah, let's move on. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. (laughs) Uh, We learn through her, her, uh, initial interactions as the as an antagonist that she is a mysterious woman seeking the knowledge from the pone glyphs. We're going to add in some world building into this because Nico Robin's story is in, inextricably tied to uh to the uh, the the lore of it. Also, I completely forgot to mention this might be implied, but I'm just going to One Piece has a Japanese naming style. Nico mm-hmm. Robin, Nico is her family name, Robin is her given name. Luffy's first name is not Monkey. <laughs> oh God! Thank, thank God. <laughs> Monkey D. Luffy. Monkey is his family name, which isn't less silly, <laughs> yeah, but what? it is more correct. Anyway, mm-hmm. so the poneglyphs. The poneglyphs are these cubicle, indestructible stones scattered throughout the world with ancient script on them that no one can read except Nico Robin. 
Oh, yeah. She can read them. And the pone glyphs contain a lot of different information. Uh, she is specifically looking for the pone glyphs that contain the hidden history of the world, the void century, the 100-year period of the world immediately before the formation of the world government that the world government has outlawed the study of. And uh, pro tip, if your government makes the study of history illegal, especially the history immediately before they became your government, probably not a very good government and yeah. probably a very bad history. Yeah. I don't have so feelings she... about, I have strong feelings about that. You know, way. hypothetically, <laughs> yeah. if you were in like a, like a fictional, a fictional fantasy world that like covered up its history that yeah. like totally isn't based on like anything and totally doesn't have yeah. any real world implications at all. No, oh, no. Oh, silly fantasy world. One piece is. So she's trying not. to find information on the void century mm. and these pone glyphs. Right. <laughs> and, uh, she just randomly tags along with the Straw Hats after uh, after she loses. She's just kind of like, hey, uh, Straw Hat Luffy, I didn't die, and that's your fault, so I'm on your crew now. And uh, she cool. wins some people over. Uh, Sanji immediately, because she's a pretty woman. Because, yeah. yeah. Which, fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so she joins the Straw Hats <laughs> on a big adventure into a sky island. Um, and during Skyline. this adventure, she really grows to love the straw hats. This is just a really funny <laughs> moment where Sanji puts a flower in her hair and she's just kind of like, it's like the cat with like the prophecy. <laughs> yeah. She's just kind of like, I don't understand this. Who, why is this happening? She's also kind of built like a pogo stick. A little she bit. is. She's also like six foot tall and I, I love her. Good. Um, she's yes. also like tall the women. adult of the group now because, uh, Running through the ages again, Luffy is 17, Nami is 18, uh, Usopp is 17, Zoro is 18, Sanji is 19, Chopper is 15, uh, Ro uh, Robin's 28. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she's pretty, pretty far out there. Yeah. Ooh. He's joined this like group of teenagers hey, on, their, on their journey. <laughs> and she like, she really grows to love the Straw Hats over this adventure. If you hear any One Piece fan say skip Skypea, never speak to them again about <laughs> One Piece. Their takes are dog shit. <laughs> Skypea is so good. It is a microcosm of One Piece. It builds into Nico Robbins' character so well. It has incredible world-building stuff. It has huge implications for stuff hundreds of chap chapters down the line. It's it embodies a lot of the core themes of like inherited wills and uh, dreams and fantasies and romanticism. People just like to skip Skype and I don't get it. Hmm. Bad takes. Yes. Bad takes. People who say hmm. skip Skype. Anyway. Uh, one really amazing moment where she starts to really feel for the straw hats is um, they're camping out in the woods on this sky Island. And Robin's like, okay, we can't light a fire because we'll alert our enemies to our location, like a very tactical, cold reasoning. And Usopp and uh, and Luffy are like, look at this. She doesn't even she doesn't even know how to have fun in the woods. And they have a giant bonfire with wolves. <laughs> and this moment, while silly and fun, is so important to Robin's character. Look at her little smile. And mm -hmm. she's in the foreground of this shot. Like she is fully like, this is her realizing the fun of adventure and the fun that you are allowed to have, which is very important in the next arc when we learn about her backstory. Oh no. Where we find out that at the age of eight, 
she was given a bounty and made a criminal by the world government for being able to read the poneglyphs. An eight-year-old child had a bounty in the millions of berries put on her head because she could read. She lived her life for two decades, betraying and being betrayed in order to escape the world government custody. And I don't want to spoil the arc that she's introduced in too much because it's one of the best, or the, the arc that we learn her backstory in because it's literally one of the best arcs in One Piece and you really just got to, you got to experience it because it's so good. Um, but there was a moment when she is essentially captured by the government uh, and surrenders to them and just tries tries to save these people that she has grown to love over this short journey and to try and protect them from the government, essentially saying, I'll give myself to you, just leave my friends alone. And she tries to reason this with her friends. She says, you'll consider me a burden. You'll betray me. You'll abandon me. I, I'm bad. I will hurt you. You have to stay away from me and all this. And because the straw hats are the straw hats, they're mm-hmm. like, no, fuck that. Shut up. Nah. You're, you're nah, shut up. No, straight straight up. She's She like says, I want to die. And Luffy's like, if you want to die, do it with us and don't do it over there. And it's like, <laughs> damn, Luffy's really calling her bluff on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yep. this moment where the straw hats like unrelenting love and unconditional love for her push her to finally accept, okay, take me away with you. Take me to see. I want to be with you. <clears throat> and it's the first time in her life that she finds people who love her unconditionally, who will fight whoever is coming after her for whatever reason. And it's so good, you guys. Uh, in the two and a half minutes I have, I didn't talk much about Robin's personality because her story is so enticing. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about her personality real quick she has this really fun dark sense of humor where she Mm. says stuff like really straight face like maybe they were just eating along with the ship or Mm. like we haven't heard their voices maybe they've been strangled (laughs) (laughs) so she's she is like weird weird girl core and it's maybe it's because she was traumatized by her upbringing of being an eight-year-old child on the run from the government but also Mm. it's just kind of funny and she just kind of has fun with it with her friends uh she also is actually super cute. Uh, she has these like picturesque, like storybook, mm. cute thoughts in her head that pop up. Like me and Robin can't swim, and it's like Usopp and Zora will carry us mm-hmm. across the. It's really, really cute. <laughs> I I love her. She's adorable and she's weird. There's a picture where she's examining like a skull, doing her archaeology archaeology thing, and I couldn't find the picture, but she's like examining this skull and determining how they died. And Sanji's over there with like heart eyes in the corner, watching her do this, and I was like. Same man. Me Same man. <laughs> She's also really attractive. Yeah. Like, r- like, like really attractive. And um, also this, uh, I've never been more jealous of, of Frankie in my life. What the fuck? <laughs> Sorry? No. So she, <laughs> she, she, she's growing hands on his legs and, uh, you don't Excuse need context me? for this. And then she grabs. I'm sorry? Excuse me? And uh So she can grow limbs other places? Oh yeah. off of other Anywhere. people. Yeah. Uh I'm so jealous uh, of, of Frankie right now. Anyway, uh Oh I, mean, it break, I get it now. Yeah. We'll um, come back with the next character. Uh Nico Robin is peak. <laughs> yep. 
I thought I had four Zoom calls. I said three Zoom calls. Thank you, Zoom lady. Oh, shit. I prepared for four. Okay. You know, uh, I'm going to be honest. We are slide 21 of 44 right now. <laughs> hey, speed I, run. I, go, go, go. Maybe I overprepared for this. We're going to speed run because I overprepared for this. Okay. This I'll give Frankie. you like half of a Zoom call afterwards. But yes, awesome. Frankie. <laughs> this is Frankie. He's the shipwright of the Straw Hats. He's a cyborg in a word. He, oh, I don't have my clicker on it. He is super, and I love him so much. Where are his pants? Yeah, I also wear would like pants. to know where man. are his pants. He's a man. He doesn't wear pants. <laughs> don't judge him on this. Anyway, people call him a pervert. I just think he's living free. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when we meet him, he's introduced as the boss of the Frankie family. They're a group of bounty hunter ship demolishers on Water 7. He's also antagonistic to the Straw Hats at first, but he agrees to help them rescue Robin from the government. He does this really cool thing. He shoots fire out of his mouth. This is one of the sexiest moments in One Piece. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I mean... Frankie's uh, gorgeous, by the way. He's built like the original Final Fantasy VII sprites. He really is. He's got he's got like the the Popeye forearms. Yeah, are yeah. also grappling hooks. It's great. I love it. Um, in his backstory, oh wait, no, I had one more picture. This is him protecting Robin. Uh, he's oh bulletproof because he's a cyborg. Yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, and he helps the Straw Hats protect Robin. We learn in his backstory that his uh, warships that he built as a child called the Battle Frankies uh, were involved mm-hmm. in an incident. I'm not going to go into it too much because. Spoilers in the best arc again. Um, some bad stuff happened. His adopted father essentially ended up getting framed for this whole thing. And um, he tried to like disown his ships. They're like, if my ships did this, then they're not my ships anymore. And his father's just like, no, no. Uh, and he embodies kind of two different beliefs from his adopted older brother who basically says, be responsible for the weapons that you make. And his father who essentially says, if you're going to make weapons, if you're going to make a ship, it doesn't matter what the ship is, who it hurts, what it does. You made them. You're their parent. Be proud and love them. Be proud of what you make with a dawn. It's very like he's very be big, be boisterous and be proud of things. Um, and he very much internalizes both of these beliefs. Um, and because of this internalized belief, when he and Robin are both taken by the government, He's able to really affirm something to her, and he's the first one outside of the Straw Hats to affirm this to her, that it's never a crime to just exist. Uh, She believes that her existence with the Straw Hats is hurting them. Her being with them puts them in danger. And he just says, hey, the government says that you're, you're bad and you're a devil child and that you exist as a crime, but it's not a crime to exist. And I... He's a real one for that. And I love him so much. Um, After the fight is done and the people are saved, um, we find out that he dreams of building a dream ship that will sail the world. And he wants to be there when the ship reaches the end of the world to take care of it. And so he asks the Straw Hats to get aboard a ship that he makes for them um, Hmm. and learns to get over his kind of big hang up of still kind of blaming himself for the incident with the battle Frankies. Um, 
And one small detail that I really love about Frankie is um, on the Battle Frankies, we see that the latest model was the Battle Frankie 35. And what we see on his shoulders is the BF 36. And after the time skip, he becomes the BF 37. Mm. He made himself a Battle Frankie. And I love the theming of it because it internalizes both the message of be responsible for the weapons that you make because he makes himself the weapon. He's the only one who can be responsible for it, but also be proud of it and love it. So he's internalized both of these messages and builds on himself and makes himself a project and like that he loves himself because of it. And I think that's awesome. Frankie is a ball of confidence. He is, he is loud. He is proud. He is out there. He don't wear no pants, barely wears a shirt. Like, he he knows what he's about. He also cries a lot. He's the one to always cry at like someone's backstory and big emotional moments. I can you tell I relate to Frankie a lot. <laughs> he cries. He's hot. End of list. <laughs> there's lo- there's lots of other things. I promise. Um, Does King he have a self-love. triple chin? Yes. Yes. I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> He has a a jagged W chin. He had a normal chin when he grew up, but then his accident happened and he made himself a cyborg. So, yeah, he's also got a metal nose. Yeah. He's he's also powered by cola. I forgot to bring that up. (laughs) Yeah. He has a refrigerator in his belly that he opens up and he puts cola in, and that's what fuels him. Uh, He also is the subject of one of my favorite running jokes where he does something cool and robotic and it shows like the the boys always react over the top they're like it's a robot he's so cool oh my god and they love it so much and then it cuts to the girls and they're just like i, I don't get it it's such a fun it's never not a funny bit i love it so much it's so good that's a really good bit uh, we're going to really speed run through these, la- yes. these last speed. two crew members. Mm-hmm. This run. is Brooke. He's a skeleton. He's the musician so of the Straw Hats. Uh, he died 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he he came back to life because of his <laughs> devil fruit. I, I just heard James's thing. <laughs> <laughs> they find him floating about <laughs> in the devil sea. He asked to see Nami's panties. He does that oh. a lot. He's oh. an 80 year old man. <laughs> oh. I I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. He's very funny. He'll he'll say a joke like like something good happens. He's like, oh, well, this just warms my heart. Oh, but I don't have a heart. Because <laughs> that's how he laughs. Oh, no. <laughs> Characters in One Piece have very specific laughs. Good. I could, again, I could make another presentation specifically about the laughs of One Piece. That's a whole other thing. But mm-hmm. he's got his specific laugh. It's very cute. Uh, this is him when he was alive. We learn uh, along his um, exploring his backstory when we introduce him that they left a friend of theirs behind when they set out on the Grand Line 50 years ago. And so he's determined to uh, go back and to reunite with his friend and to show that he's okay. Um, And also his afro is very important. Oh, cool. That's all I'm going to say on that. It's very important. Straight up. Afros are just important in general, aren't they? They are. But yes, but (laughs) he has a specific reason as to why he's so determined on keeping his afro. And when he explained it, it made me cry. So I'm not gonna spoil it. Um this oh man. 
Oh man, I forgot I put this picture in here. Uh, oh no, we're gonna skip over that. <laughs> that was, that Wait, made what? me ball my eyes out. Uh, he he provided us with the song Binks Sake that I asked you guys uh, to read. That was like mm-hmm. he was yes. the one to introduce it into the story. I don't think he was the one to write it. Um, maybe he was. I don't know. It's an old song mm. that a bunch of people already knew, and he just kind of like joins the crew. <laughs> Cool. Like when they first meet him, Luffy's like, "Do you want to join my crew?" And he's like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> and then at the end of the arc, he's like, "Can I join your crew?" And Luffy's like, "Yeah, it's <laughs> great, and I love it." And Brooke doesn't have like a ton of like overarching big story arcs because he's like an eighty-year-old man. He's he's very set in in like this is who I am, and it's really cute just to kind of see him be a a sweet, supportive member of the crew. Also, this picture of him is awesome. <laughs> so he's just like, I'm getting the vibe that he's just like the crazy grandpa of the group who just does He is the funny. grandpa of the group, and I love him. Yeah, so they, I, I can see them all being like, oh, figures. grandpa. Like, oh, grandpa, you're asking ladies <laughs> to see their panties. Oh, <laughs> sing us a song, old man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. The most recent addition to the Straw Hat crew is Jinbei. I love Jinbei so much. He's the helmsman of the Straw Hat. I've actually seen Hats. this guy before. Mm. Um, he joined the crew like fairly recently. So, okay. but he's been involved in the story for long enough now that it's like people know he's in the crew. I'm going to talk about him a little bit. He's the unofficial but totally official group dad. Uh, cool. And because he's so recently joined, that's why the Straw Hats always be up on their fatherless behavior. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when we first meet him he's a warlord of the sea I have a little bit of information on that later uh, he becomes Luffy's ally in the Marineford arc and uh, defends him with his life um, and he also helps guide Luffy through some really serious grief that he's having um, and so Luffy grows very attached to the the sweet large fish man uh, and I, I love him for it uh, after the time skip, we learn a bit more about Jinbei's backstory, and this is where the fan nickname Martin Luther King Jinbei came in. Oh, no! Um, because what? the fishmen are an analogy for racism, a really pretty blatantly oh. obvious one. Um, so the fishmen uh, f- for a long time were uh, enslaved by people. They're kind of dehumanized. People just call them fish and don't see them as other humans. Um, oh, God. I hear you groaning. One Piece's depiction of racism is actually one of the best ones I've seen in any kind of media, especially oh, no, anime. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just groaning at racism in general. Yeah, true. I, yeah. I downvote racism. Yeah. <laughs> no, honestly. And, Controversial um, take here, but I think racism is bad. <laughs> <laughs> we learned that uh, Jinbei was a member and now the current captain of the, of the uh, Sun Pirates uh, under his sworn brother, Fisher Tiger. Uh, this dude had a crazy jailbreak and busted a bunch of the slaves out. He's a, like a civil rights hero. He's awesome and he's great and I love him. And Jinbei is kind of like trying to inherit his will uh, to bring better relations between fishmen and humans. Uh, he was instrumental in saving the Straw Hats in the Fishman Island saga, where at that point, that's when Luffy asked him to join his crew um, at the very beginning of post time skip. But Jinbei had some stuff to take care of, so he helped them out in a couple other spots, and then he returned to join them, and everyone's so happy that Jinbei's joining the crew. Um, 
So he officially joins the crew in Wano in like chapter 900 something. Uh, really long time. He has the longest, um, the longest period between introduction and joining the crew and offer to join the crew and joining the crew. It's hundreds of chapters. Oh. Love him, love him, love him. But he he um, followed through on it. That's some dedication. He did love follow it. through. So he becomes a, a, a very strong, wise, and mature addition to the crew. He understands the, the ocean and the waters and helps them out a whole bunch. And also, Luffy just loves his dad. Oh. We love the dad. Like, He's he's big and intimidating, but he cracks that big old toothy grin, and you're like, yeah, I love hey, this guy. Fish and so dad. This this gif of Luffy hugging fish dad is the cutest thing in the world. I mm. love it so much. <laughs> Luffy's a hugger. He's very much a hugger. So we've met the Straw Hat Pirates, all 10 of them. So now we're going to talk a little bit more about the world real quick. Just real quick. We're going to yeah. talk about the main systems of power in world in uh, one piece the world government is obviously the biggest one to talk about uh these five old men here are the gorosei the five elder sages or the five elder stars uh they are the kind of like the highest ranking members of the world government the world government is the world government <laughs> there's like a i think is that there are 170 or 270 countries that are all a part mm. of the world government uh they're a huge kind of authoritarian force in the world um, that kind of oversee a lot of stuff. Uh, the three great powers in One Piece are essentially the three biggest military forces in the world. Uh, the world go On the world government's part, they have the uh, Navy's Marine headquarters uh, made up of Marines and their strongest, the three admirals. Uh, they are essentially both military and police, kind of like a military police of the world. Um, really, really big, overinflated military that like is an occupying army in the world, like so, like some kind of fiction. I was gonna say I don't have any. I, what, did I, what have I been saying? I don't have any deep feelings about this at all. <laughs> um, also, somewhat under the world government control is the Shichibukai. They're the seven warlords of the sea. These people are based off of real life uh, privateers. They're basically Ooh. pirates that are under the world government umbrella. So their mm. activities are legitimized by the world government so long as they take care of other pirates and show up when the world government like summons them. So that's pretty much it. There's a lot of politics as to why each of these people are Shichibukai, why they wanted to do it, why they became a warlord, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler stuff. <laughs> um, mm. They're a very big presence that the world government has. And the other biggest group that is introduced uh, fairly late in the pre-time skip era is the Yonko, the four emperors of the sea. Uh, this is a really crappy silhouetted picture because spoilers. Um, basically, these are the four most infamous pirates in the world. Uh, they mainly inhabit the second half of the Grand Line uh, because, you know, it meets the red line on two different points. So you mm -hmm. go through this part and then yeah. that other part. Yeah. Um, they are basically the de facto rulers of the second half of the Grand Line. Uh, they have territories there. They have massive, massive bounties. Um, and the balance between these three great powers is essentially what keeps the world in its current state. You know, the <clears throat> the Navy's military might and the Yonko's military might 
they keep each other in balance because a full-out war would be bad for everybody. I'm going to skip over this next slide because it's just a lot of really cool quotes. Oh in my one gosh. Piece. Um, and I'm going to skip past it, but there's really cool quotes in one piece. Can you um, pick like, just pick like two that you try to pick two that you really like. Cause okay. one, um, there can be no happiness in a world where the undesirables are throw thrown away and don't try to find a reason for someone's love. Um, Really, really wow. iconic lines. There's even like little small lines that like if you tell a One Piece fan this line, they're going to know exactly what it is. Like simple sentences like, like, I was happy or I love you or I won't die. Like no. if you're a One Piece fan, you know what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> and oh, if you become a One Piece fan, come back and watch this and hear me say those quotes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're going to take a quick law break. Oh my god. There he is. We're running out of time, so this this break is like built to be like in the middle. Uh this is Law. <laughs> I don't have any time to talk about Law cuz he's introduced so late in the first half of the story and is very important in the second half. He's just sexy. Matt Mercer <laughs> he's question just mark. Really hot. Huh? Matthew Mercer? <laughs> Matthew Mercer? Matthew Mercer question mark. Matthew Mercer. Wait, for real? Matthew for real, Mercer? he's boy. Yeah, oh. in the Yeah. So <laughs> He, he is voiced by the voice actor who plays Levi Ackerman in both the sub and the dub. And I really, I find that cool. Um, Ooh, that is cool. Yeah, he's a gorgeous man. He's a, he's a gorgeous man. That and so is this anime movies. character. Yeah. <laughs> True. Nice. True. Yeah. I'm enjoying Okay. Yeah. Now that we've taken the law break, yeah. we're going to get back into the real stuff. Wait, he's hugging a bear? Yeah, that's Beppo. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, Beppo. Oh, that's Beppo. Oh, that's great. I Beppo's love Beppo. So cold. I love. We love Beppo. We love Beppo in this house. Oh yay! Anyway, people talk smack about Beck about Beppo, and I don't get Why? it. Why? How because they're it's Beppo. It, it's the same dumb shonen bros that think Usopp is bad because he's not the strongest fighter in the world. They're like. <laughs> When's Beppo gonna fight something? And he's like, "Shut up." It's Beppo. I don't know anything about this show, but I would die for Beppo. Beppo is awesome. <laughs> anyway, back oh, to yeah. the super light-hearted subject about One Piece. One Piece is deeply political. Um, no, <laughs> these are two fun little memes. Uh, the one on the left. This. Gosh, I hate all these overly political anime. Now let me go watch my favorite shonen anime with no politics oh, whatsoever. <laughs> This is doubly funny because this is a screenshot from the Wano arc, which is the arc that the anime is currently wrapping up. And it is literally the most political One Piece has ever been because Wano is, a, is an obvious analog for Japan. So the, po the politics are like scathing in that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then there's this other meme. Four, four real world things you can learn from anime. <laughs> Always give your 100%. Never lose hope. The world's largest military is nothing more than a personal guard for the billionaire class. They will commit genocide in order to enact this brutal hierarchy and use propaganda to justify it in their endless wars. Our only hope is to join together in a working class revolution to reclaim our freedom. Volleyball! <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. One so piece good. is very political. Yeah. Uh, and to kick off this political section... Uh, fuck the government and other asshats. This is a short list of uh, some what? things what? in One Piece. This is a combination get... of 
Are we going to take it off of Spotify and Apple no. and all the platforms? No, we're fine. Hey, we just start hearing knocks <laughs> on I, our doors. I saw the one on the right. <laughs> so this is just a list of like, some of these are antagonists that the Straw Hats come against. Some of them are just people that exist that are bad that the Straw Hats don't really directly come up against. And some of these are just real world shit that happens in the world of One Piece with its silly cartoon veneer that just kind of makes it a bit more approachable. So, you know, mm. you have your usual authoritarians, the military, fascist, <laughs> pirates, a rogue pirate under the government's protection trying to usurp the throne of a country, a rogue mm. pirate under the government's protection who successfully usurped the throne of a country and now actively dehumanizes any dissidents, power-hungry government officials, government, government officials so hungry for power they seek to resurrect ancient weapons of mass destruction, mm-hmm. bounty hunters, racism, slavery, poverty, wealth inequality, privatized healthcare, abusive parents, Nazi power rangers, a racial supremacist whose evil plan includes becoming a landlord over the race they see as inferior, a racial supremacist who, insp- who was so inspired by the earlier supremacist decided to try and make a full-on ethno-state, oh. abuse of power, god kings, the government tracking down and killing children literally for the sins of their father, charismatic cult leaders seeking out the emotionally vulnerable and manipulating them to their own ends, separating the people from essential goods via man-made barriers, government officials infiltrating labor unions, government officials assassinating civil rights leaders, religious leaders using their status to traffic children, government officials buying those trafficked children from the religious leader, government-sanctioned genocide, pollution, wage slavery, Japanese conservatism, xenophobic isolationism, and so much more. (laughs) But it's a silly cartoon about a stretchy pirate guy. Yeah. Stretchy pirate guy. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I can't tell if this show is going to make me really happy or really sad. Well, we'll get to it. <laughs> oh, God. One other quick diatribe into uh, politics. One of the biggest things that I find interesting is how thoroughly built the government is. Specifically with the Navy, there's this doctrine of justice. The word justice is emboldened on the back of every Navy's jacket and So it's a concept throughout the whole world government, specifically its enforcement division. There's a specific quote from a Navy admiral that says, this thing called justice changes its shape depending on where you stand. There are several different forms of justice, personal mantras that uh, specific Navy people take on. Um, There's dark justice, lazy justice, personal justice, unclear justice, humane justice. And the thing about justice is, The doctrine of justice really attracts some bad people, right? Like, you know, you see it, there's like, oh, man, but there's a few bad apples, you know, in the system. But it's like, well, think about does the system like encourage people to be assholes? Does it encourage them to be power hungry maniacs that are okay with sacrificing their own men to seek their own ends? Does it encourage sociopathic murderers who say as long as they work for the government, they can murder whoever they want? Does it empower people to kill their own underlings for saying that they shouldn't fight a war anymore because people are fleeing? Does it empower people to just murder whoever they want for the sake of justice? Uh, This is the idea of absolute justice, right? This is a very big prevailing thing within the the Navy and has since become kind of a de facto belief after a certain change in the hierarchy with the time skip. Um, Mm. 
And the problem with absolute justice is it is a belief that any sacrifice of someone else, no matter how great for the sake of justice, it's never for self-sacrificing, right? You know, the people in charge don't say, you know, I'll give up my own life in order to see justice enacted in the world. No, it's always um, I'm going to kill this guy and that'll make the world a better place. It's never we should give up some resources to make sure these other people are hungry. It says, no, we should go out and murder the people who are making it difficult for them to get the resources. And then it's like, oh, it's it's you guys. It's the government. And then it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, the, the thing about it, though, <laughs> right. Is One Piece is not painting every individual in the government bad. The government as a whole is a broken system, but there's good people in it. There's a little guy here who's trying to stand up to this fascist dickwad and tell him we should stop fighting a war and dying because we've already won the war. We're good. We shouldn't mm -hmm. die anymore. And uh, there's one specific moment, right, that I really, really love that shows the complexity of systems in one piece. Um, basically there's kind of this ragtag group of Navy forces that um, showed up on this Island to hunt the straw hats. But then there was like a bad guy that was worse than both of them. So they agreed to like slightly team up with the straw hats and fight the bad guy. And they beat the bad guy. And like this group of Navy soldiers is supposedly like the weird outcasts of the Navy because they, like each other they like care about their subordinates and their commanders and like so throughout all this they see some betrayal from the world government they see that the straw hats are good people they help save children with them and then they party it up afterwards with them they drink and they eat and they party and they dance and they sing and when they start shipping out they return immediately to their pirates are gross pirates are smelly pirates are evil pirates are awful and when they're told shut up why are you doing this you're upsetting the children we all just saved they fully admit if we don't keep talking smack on them if we don't insult them and berate them we have to admit that we like them that these pirates mm. these vile criminals who we are told to hate with all force of absolute justice that we are supposed to oppose on principle because they are against our government. We have to admit that they're good people. And that goes against what the doctrine that we've been taught is. And it's this amazing deconstruction of horrible systems and dehumanizing and indoctr indoctrination into a system of violence and anger. And it's so good. It's these are random side characters, most of which don't have names. They're just random Navy soldiers. And they're fully like they realize through this arc, like we have to come to terms with this and we have to try and make sense of this completely new information that pirates aren't across the board evil. Some of them are. Some of the pirates in, in One Piece suck. They're really bad people. But like, is the Navy better? I don't know. Watch One Piece. So, yeah, all of this shit, right? All of this bad and evil nonsense going on in the world of One Piece, this dark, depressing world that they live in uh, that has this cartoon veneer over it that it, it is broke and broken and desolate and awful. But you know who really is awesome in it? Luffy. He's my favorite shonen protagonist. Like, straight up, I protagonists are never my favorite characters, right? Naruto, Dragon Ball, My Hero Academia, Demon Slayer, like, no, never. 
I never like the protagonist the most. Luffy is the best character in One Piece. <laughs> He's my absolute favorite. There is a lot to him that you learn as you go along. I have a few like random snippets here where it talks about how he doesn't want to be a hero. He's very much like heroes are going to give meat to everybody else. And I don't want to do that. I want to eat the meat. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he thinks about it. He's, he's a pirate. He's going to eat the meat. But also he believes that everybody should have the freedom to eat as much meat as they want. He's yeah. going to make every place he visits a place where you can eat as much as you want. He embodies freedom and happiness and he stands up for the people he loves and there are moments when it does not go well for him there are moments when he loses big and he has to deal with terrible loss and emotion and recollect himself and try to build himself back up and he always remembers at the end of everything he has his crew these moments when Luffy is like sad and broken and crying is when you remember, right. This dude is 17. <laughs> He's a kid taking on the world. And it's, it's a lot. And, um, one of the things that really made me change how I, I saw Luffy was a big, big game changer. They meet a former crewmate of the former pirate King gold roger hmm. and you know luffy does his basic shtick of like i'm gonna be the next pirate king and the guy's like yeah you're gonna be the next pirate king or uh you think you're strong enough you think you can conquer and rule these seas and luffy responds i'm not gonna conquer anything the one who is the most free is the pirate king oh yeah we learn a bit more in luffy's backstory why freedom is such a big thing for him but for him, piracy is freedom, free from the constraints of oppressive governments and evil people and the strength to be able to move forward. People that control others, that constrict and suffocate people, that hold everyone in their spider webs of control, infuriate him so much because that's not what freedom is. His idea of freedom is being strong enough to maintain himself and his friends and pushing forward and through all of this determination and this anger and this sadness and this loss and everything else all of the bad shit that happens in the world at the end of the day he can still smile as long as he's alive there are infinite chances he can laugh and smile and dance and sing with his friends because that is freedom for him he has, this, he has the ambition of becoming the Pirate King, the strength of will to see it through, and the embodiment of joy to smile about it. And that is fucking cool. I, I Dude, you're going to make get... me cry. God. Thank you. I can't even get into all the specific examples. I had to be super general for you guys to discover all the cool yep. stuff about Luffy. Mm. He's awesome. I love him so oh much. Oh my god. <laughs> and this bright beacon, person bright as the sun, the embodiment of joy and freedom, is just the person to help bring about the new age. This is something that is talked about right at the the time skip in one piece we see luffy 
Zoro, and nine other pirates roll up as the uh, 11 supernovas. These are the 11 super rookie pirates who made a huge name for themselves in the first half of the Grand Line, and now in the second half of the Grand Line are making names for themselves left and right. They're involved in every big political thing going on in the New World. They're involved in all of the big schemes going on. And for some people, they believe that amongst these 11, the worst generation of pirates will emerge one pirate king. Of course, we already know who it is. Mean like... And in this new age... <laughs> Beppo. There are... Lots of pirates that want to bring about the new age. Each of the supernovas has their own idea for what they want to bring about. Some of the Yonko are striving to bring about a new age. But interestingly enough, this new age that's going to show up that the next Pirate King makes might be an age that the previous Pirate King already tried to make. Gold Roger exists as a mythical being for a lot of the story. And then you kind of learn more about him. Uh, this is a quote of his that shows up very early on in the story. An inherited strength of will, one's dreams, the ebb and flow of ages. As long as people hunger for freedom, these things will exist. Gold D. Roger, King of the Pirates. And... This quote is basically just one piece. <laughs> that is just one, the strength of will. One's dreams. People's dreams don't end. That's a, that's a good one piece quote that I should have said earlier. Dang it. <laughs> you said it now. I said it now. This age of freedom, embodiment of piratical freedom, is something that at least through hints and context clues looks like might have been what the previous King Roger was after. And I wouldn't be surprised if Luffy was the one who carries on that will. Ooh. Inherited wills, big dreams, and the ebb and flow of ages. So, now that we've thoroughly dissected One Piece, let's meet the Straw Hats. The family we found along the way. Should we maybe do that in the next Zoom call? We should. Because I want okay. some water. Yeah. That's a good idea. Thank you, Zoom lady. I just told Dio that I'm probably going to pass out in 20 minutes. So let's go. So the final section of this presentation, where once again, we will meet the Straw Hats, the family we found along the way, starting with pirate hunter Roanoa Zoro. Right now, it's the only way to save my crewmates. My ambition means nothing if I can't protect my own captain. Cat burglar Nami. I'm the navigator. It's my responsibility to keep them safe when we're at sea. I need to be able to take my captain wherever he wants to go. God Usopp. <laughs> I, 
yeah. we don't have time to explain how he got that epithet, but that—that that uh -huh. is his title, God Usopp. You know, <laughs> makes sense to me. Look at it. Yeah. Also, he gets shredded in the time skip, so admire that. Whoa. I always thought Luffy would become the pirate king on his own, but that's not true. There are enemies out there he can't possibly defeat. Even Luffy can lose. He's been pushing himself really hard, but deep inside he's screaming. That's why he needs me to help him. Just you wait, Luffy. To help you become the king of the pirates, I'm going to become the real sniper king. Blackleg Sanji. Tell me, Luffy. Which would you prefer? The regular flesh and blood me who turns into a helpless wreck whenever I face an opponent who's a woman? Or a cruel, cold, emotionless warrior? can crush even monsters like him as long as you give me the order which one's going to be more useful to the king of the pirates I've made up my mind I don't know what'll happen yet but here goes cotton candy lover Tony Tony Chopper ever since you let me join you I didn't care what anybody said about me in order to help you I'd even become a real monster Luffy I'm gonna get stronger, for sure. Devil child, Nico Robin. I can be a devil if I have to. I'll do it for the people who truly need me. For the people who are counting on me. Iron Man Frankie. Ennius Lobby is supposedly impenetrable, and the world government unstoppable. And yet the Straw Hats aren't the ones to let common sense get in their way. Not one of them hesitates to take on the world for the sake of a comrade. That's a commitment I can get behind. Soul King Brook. But you weren't afraid of me. You even asked me to join you. Do you have any idea how much joy that brought me? Especially after wandering that dark sea for 50 years. You've seemed so bright in my eyes. Those 50 years I spent doing nothing but hoping... That moment made up for it all. Loneliness is no longer in my vocabulary. Knight of the Sea, Jinbei. Straw Hat Luffy is a man who will one day change the world. He's still too young, but it is not any of the four emperors who will rule this sea. I believe that it will be Straw Hat Luffy. I want to be of help to him. I want to ride on his ship and pledge my life to his cause. Doing so will ensure that my joy that my voyage wins true freedom for the fishman race. Straw Hat, Monkey D. Luffy, the man who will become the king of the pirates. And that's the show. <laughs> hey, 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 James. Remember how our presentations were just really stupid and full of memes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now we just got a freaking college level presentation. Yeah, I got up. I just really wanted yeah. you guys to watch One Piece. Holy crap, Dio. <laughs> oh my god. I had more stuff planned for the ending, but honestly, just having like the one quote from each of the character was yeah, yeah. It's so yeah theatrically done so beautiful wow mm -hmm. 10 out of 10 no complaints no comments <laughs>
But only, yeah, uh, watch or read One Piece, everybody. It's the greatest story ever told. If you hop on now, you'll make it before the end. And uh, yeah. wouldn't you want to see a story this grand at the end? Mm. Man, so many people are going to cry. I can't <laughs> read. <laughs> I can't read. <laughs> you know, who can anymore? Not me. Nope. <laughs> well, I just just wow. Well, hey. Thanks for listening everybody. Yeah. Yeah. This truly yeah. was a lovely joyous experience. And in and the end we really were a one piece. <laughs> we were the one piece. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. Isn't that That's... that Michael Jackson song? We are the one piece. <laughs> we, we are the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know oh my gosh well thanks for listening guys see yeah. you next time bye well, bye bye Haters. <laughs>